Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I'm going to steal Buzz's intro. This is take two of the Socks on Tap postgame show. I'm here with NWI Steve. We've tried this once already, and we had, I think, what was a phenomenal show recorded. And then I went to go publish it. I brought the audio into the editor and uh, it was absolutely unusable, just like the White Sox were today. Steve, it's very fitting for what we've got going on here today and what we're going to discuss. Uh, again, for the second time, how are you doing today? Hey, yo, Tone. Um, well, I think our first take here was pretty symbolic of what we saw from the White Sox today. I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, perfect, perfect name for the show today, Steve. Um, I don't know what the hell the White Sox game was, and I don't know what happened to the audio that we had from the first time we tried to do this. Uh, let's hope this doesn't screw up. If not, uh, I, I guess the listeners just won't have a show to listen to for this one because, um, hey, we went 20-some minutes and got into a bunch of topics. We're going to try and recap them again. Uh, again, uh, the we did not record yesterday uh, the Blackhawks game took a little bit of a precedence for the guys that do this show, Johnny, myself, over at Four Feathers Podcast. Uh, like I said earlier, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com and following at ontapsportsnet on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. We were breaking that game down. We were celebrating. We were cracking them, uh, enjoying a Blackhawks qualifying round victory. We're back here today. The Sox. Won a ball game yesterday against the Cleveland Indians team that they're directly competing with for the second place spot in the AL Central, which would award them a playoff appearance if they can get the job done. Not going to focus too much on yesterday's ball game. Uh, it was a good win for the White Sox. But today's ball game, uh, a little bit different, uh, so to speak, Steve. Hand it over to you. Uh, initial thoughts from the White Sox lost today against the Cleveland Indians. Well, initial thoughts are this. We knew coming into the game today that this was going to be a challenging ball game, having to try to bullpen their way to a victory against a Cleveland team that is not by any means an offensive juggernaut. Now, with that being said, anytime you're in a scenario where you have to rely on your bullpen to carry and cover all 27 outs, that is going to be very taxing when you have to go away from a conventional starting pitcher. Um, with that being said, you know, Matt Foster went out there today, was able to get six outs, looked very sharp once again for this team here, and he's been a very pleasant surprise out of the bullpen to start this 2020 abbreviated season. Then the Sox went to recently called up Drew Anderson today, who came up in place of Aaron Bummer, who went on the IL earlier this morning. 
Anderson was able to get through a scoreless third inning. And for reasons that I will never understand, and I'm hoping and I'm wishing that someone that is paid to follow the White Sox on a daily basis and is paid to ask questions to Ricky Renteria would have asked him why they thought it was a good idea to send Drew Anderson, a guy that comes cut a couple weeks ago, out there to face the top of the Cleveland Indians order. Again, a Cleveland Indians team that, Tony, you laid it out perfectly. The Sox are directly competing with them for a wild card spot and playoff positioning here in the American League. You had guys like Ross Detweiler, Jimmy Cordero, and other guys in the bullpen that have not pitched in a couple of days, and for some reason, they thought it was a good plan for Drew Anderson to go three or four innings in the league today. That's what Renteria said during his post-game comments today, that that was the plan for him to go three or four innings. I would love to know who came up with this plan. Was it Renteria? Was it the front office? Was it the analytics team? Because whoever came up with this plan needs to have their head examined. You know, God, uh, this is very frustrating as a White Sox fan. and That's number one. Number two, uh, the White Sox themselves have been very headstrong about sticking to their plans. And there's one guy when I think, you know, somebody who's sticking to their plans and has told White Sox fans over and over again, we're going to stay the course, we're going to stick to this plan, that's Rakan. Uh, don't know if he was directly involved in this one, but this, to me, reeks of a, of a Rakan plan. Um, although Ricky Renteria, he's the guy who's in charge of uh, just players in a position to succeed. Uh, that, oof. oof. Yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, there, a couple things to unpack here, Tony. So Rakan, absolutely has done a poor job once again of depth so that when injuries happen, they have competent replacements. I think that goes without saying, and I don't think that with that being said, I find it very hard to believe that he went to Rick Renteria before the game today and said, you're going to throw Matt Foster for two innings, and then you're going to throw Drew Anderson for four innings. He did. That's a fireable offense. I would I would say so. I mean, we just, we just talked, are directly competing with the Cleveland Indians for a playoff spot here. Uh, the Minnesota to the AL Central... Um, the shortened season, the expanded playoffs allow the White Sox. You got to beat every other team in the division. You got to, you got to play the Twins well. Decimated starting rotation, and you're throwing Foster out there to basically been unscathed through his appearance. Um, why are we going to Anderson here? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Wilder, who's excelled in some long relief roles so far. Uh, Anderson, they could have come into this ball game and potentially that Anderson did. Uh, and on top of that, you saw costing two runs to the White Sox with just some horrible. Def- uh, and then to not pull the plug on Anderson, uh, not even a little bit of trouble, a lot of trouble in a, in a, what was a zero zero ball. Yeah. So a lot of things to unpack there, Tony. Um, first, you know, regard acquisition this winter. I still am. It was still the right decision to be made. But they have been very, very underwhelming to say the least here. The two pass balls in that third in that excuse me in that fourth inning were inexcusable. And this is something that we have seen from Grandal before in his past. If you recall during the 2017 postseason, he was benched during the League Championship Series and the World Series in favor of Austin Barnes because of his issues blocking the ball. So that's something that needs to get cleaned up. I don't know if that's a focus issue or what it is, but the White Sox are simply not a team, especially the way they are playing right now, that can afford to give teams runs and give teams extra bases. So that 
has to be cleaned up unequivocally. Um, and again, you know, the, the Drew Anderson thing, and this is the last thing I'm going I'm to comment on this here. You know, you can have laid out plans, but that doesn't mean that the plans are good. A bad process is a bad process. This is, you know, I'm just looking at the box score here. And three guys go a little over an inning. The exception, middle of a series against the team that you're competing with. And I, if I'm playing Texas Hold'em, I might as well show my cards right here. Here it is. Uh, th this was not exactly the best fence here in just a minute. Uh, but the Grandal thing, uh, we've seen some lapses from the past week have tried to backhand balls that are in the dirt that have gotten by them that have led to not trying to single them out here. But when you see the same tomorrow, let's stop taking batting practice for James McCann and Yasmani Grandal and happening. I, I don't know what the answer is here. Uh, you've got two veterans behind the plate. Just figure it out. Yep. Figure what, it out. What, you know, it's that it's that simple at this point here. Physically taxed um, or or mentally exhausted. 20 games in at this point in, in August. You know, they've played 15 games. Very generous in the last week. It's not like we're sitting here in 95 degree August during the course of a long season. But that's not the case right now. So... I don't know what, and something has to change quick because you got Shane Bieber waiting for you tomorrow night, PN, since Mother's Day of 2013. Figure it out and figure it out. Tunnel, uh, when it comes to this series, uh, the White Sox are going to have a tough matchup tomorrow. Red Taria rolling out a very interesting lineup of Mancada, Jimenez, Abreu, Grandal, Mazzara. Score real quick. If I told you today, or if I told you plus ball games or somewhere around there on August 8th, that Adam Engel in 23, uh, how, do you, how do you think the White Sox would be doing? So much the batting average piece that I'm concerned about. It's the fact that Adam Engel, the same amount of plate appearances that, um, you know, the quote-unquote starters, might be the only one of the White Sox regulars that has a slugging percentage over 500 right now. This team was built to drive the baseball and to drive the baseball what it's going to take, but that needs to change course immediately here capable of yes uh you know looking up and down the lineup uh just there's a significant lack of bombs upon bombs um we're we're not seeing that right now uh obviously encarnacion who, who the hell knows what's going on with him um yohan mancada like you would expect i i know mancada hit one today you'd expect more home runs you'd expect more Doubles in the gap, you would expect more off Chicago Cubs, uh, where they drove you Darvish pretty much out of the ball game. Vaguely different than what we saw in the early going, where you the, on a starter in the first three innings. Um, that's not happening. Revin strikeouts. Uh, I don't have a pitch count here, but he looked fairly see. I mean, the guy didn't even give up uh, a run in his six innings. Uh, that he picked in White Sox Twitter. How soon do we see the uh, fire Frank Minichino tweets? Tomorrow with another poor showing. Uh, probably by 10 p.m. tomorrow night would be my guess. And, and the contrast to what we saw during the exhibition games here. You know, I wrote a piece talking about that enhanced offensive approach and really driving counts deeper and working starters. 
and we really have not seen that for at least a week now here, aside from those two games um, in Kansas City. And I wonder if it's just a function of guys simply pressing right now because of the fact that they have been struggling as a unit here. And I know I've been writing Jose Abreu pretty hard of late on, on Twitter, but this is not just a Jose Abreu issue. This is a one through nine issue. And maybe guys are simply just putting too much pressure on themselves and thinking that they have to be the ones to turn the tide on the very next pitch that's coming up. It could happen. Listen, you know, baseball psychology can be a little funny sometimes. I don't know if that's the case right now, if that's what's happening here, but it could be. You know, I think that this team, it may just be a scenario where it's going to take them getting a couple of duck snorts to steal a turn from Hawk and just piecing a slow avalanche there of getting the offense back on track the way we're... Very cool and tough term. Hawk Harrelson. Love that guy. Uh, you know, but... 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position today. That's not going to get the ball. I don't want to sit here and say that the the answer to this problem, Johnny here, you have to be opportunistic. You have to be able, the stake that is in front of you, why show up in the first place? Over position with two outs. Robert leaves two. Grandal leaves one. Mendick leaves two today. Ball game. You might not have won today, but we could be talking about a seven to five ball game. The White Sox offense. Then you can say this is a problem with the pitching or this is a problem with the defense. Instead of this is your next game, there's nothing here. There is absolutely nothing. I'm a fan of silver linings, but holy hell, when you have a stinker like this, say we did this well, it doesn't bode well for tomorrow. And tomorrow, it's not looking great. It's not looking great at all because you've got 3-0 on the year against Lucas Giolito, 1-1 with a 5.17 ERA. And Steve, Shane Bieber, that ERA. Yeah, I got to give out Shane Bieber rocking that .083 ERA. Guy that is just getting punch outs left and right here. He's got, you know, 35 strikeouts that has really emerged as the top pitcher in the pitching factory over the last decade. And you look at this rotation that they have by the end of the game tomorrow. We're all drafted in the 2016 draft. Now, that's a little alarming to think that the Indians are just pumping. Strikeout rate has increased this season in comparison with his career averages. His walk rate, excuse me, has increased. And the Sox as a team right now are hitting a ton say, for what could be in store tomorrow with, with those variables with Shane Bieber. Bieber has uh, struck out so far, is good for the third most behind Nolan Ryan and Garrett Cole. Um, is that good? That's not on that one too much because baseball's a weird sport, and I'm trying to uh, – Jose Abreu in 15 at-bats has hit two home runs against Shane Bieber. Also has two home runs against Shane Bieber, both of those guys hitting 400. All tomorrow, or are we going to get more warning track power? I would kill. This team is struggling to hit the ball out of the ballpark right now, especially at the ballpark in 35th and Shields. That is a known launching pad. Um, particularly frustrating when you see a guy like Jordan Luplo, who was 0 for 18 coming into today. And granted, it was off of Drew Anderson, but Luplo is a guy that is a strictly platoon hitter and he hits a ball out of the park to basically put this game away today. Um, it would be really nice. It would be really refreshing to see if the Sox could 
muscle up a little bit tomorrow and uh, get those balls past the warning track and put them in the seats tomorrow. I know Moncada put one in um, in the eighth inning here today, but that's a garbage time home run right there. This game was already decided early in the game when it matters. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about a little bit uh, earlier in the show uh, the approach the White Sox had uh, in the exhibition games and against the Kansas City Royals where you would start to wear a pitcher down early and get into the bullpen. The Sox are going to have to do that against Shane Bieber tomorrow. Otherwise, you're looking at a guy who's going to go seven, eight innings uh, and, and keep you off the board. Uh, crooked numbers are cool and tough, uh, Steve. We're going to have to get an inning with more than one run in order to win this ball game tomorrow, in my opinion, unless Lucas Giolito is able to just be absolutely dominant. The margin for error that you talked about earlier, Sox don't really have that, especially tomorrow. It's going to be a very big ball game for the White Sox. You're competing for that second-place spot. Yes, the Sox are going up against the Detroit Tigers after the series, but you want to put yourself in the best position against these teams in the AL Central. Um to secure that playoff spot, taking this series is very, very fucking important. Yeah, it, it, it really is, you know, especially after dropping two out of three in Cleveland, um, you know, that first week of the season in a series that the Sox should have swept. I mean, let's be honest about this. If they get one hit with runners in scoring position or even a couple of sack flies, they sweep that series, and the complexion of the standings looks dramatically different than where we are right now. But if this team starts out 2-4 and four against a team that they are directly competing against, that's not a great sign right there. Um, and, and there's got to come a point when this team is going to have to show that they can beat the Cleveland Indians and beat the Minnesota Twins when it matters. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking about a full season here, no expanded playoffs. You're talking about a third or fourth place team in the AL Central, uh, depending on how you you factor up against the Detroit Tigers and Kansas City Royals. Um, that's not where you want to be in this rebuild right now, and I think that's a very sobering thought, especially uh, where I'm at right now after how many beers I had watching, A, the White Sox game, and B, during the first time we attempted to record this show, um, it, it's a sobering thing to think about because, I mean, we spent some money this offseason. You've put together a roster that uh, has a lineup that should be able to do some damage to opposing pitchers. Uh, we've seen it happen a couple of times already. We just need to find that consistency. Yeah, that's um, consistency. That's a, that's a great word here. We know this team has the talent. We know there's the upside there. Like I said, I don't know what it's going to take for it to all of a sudden click and for this team to start performing offensively the the way we know they are capable of, but something's got to happen, and it's got to happen quickly here because they're just kind of sleepwalking through this thing right now. We're a quarter of the way through the season, and yeah, there's still, you know, quote-unquote time left, and they're still in a position to hold one of those wild-card spots, but you got to start playing better baseball, period, paragraph. Yep, and that starts with A, the players on the field, B, the managerial uh, decisions that are made. Um, 
we're going to know a lot more about Ricky Renteria in a month here, Steve. Yeah, Ricky is um, he, he's doing a lot of the same things that I have harped on him for for the last couple of years, and that was one of the things that we were told was, well, you can't really judge Ricky right now because he doesn't have a competitive roster. Well, what I've seen to this point, and I wrote about this um, you know, opening weekend with the decisions to hit Nicky Delmonico you know, in the number five spot in the order, and then you see him hitting fourth, in Cleveland, that that series against the Indians here, we're seeing the same type of tactical errors out of Ricky Renteria. Again, this does not absolve Rick Renteria, or excuse me, Rick Hahn and the front office from some of the roster construction issues. But Rick Renteria absolutely deserves blame for some of the things that we are seeing here right now, and that needs to be cleaned up immediately. Well, before we close this one down, Steve, I've got one last question for you. Um, and it's going to be a tough one tomorrow. But I, I think in my mind, the last thing I want to be doing at the end of this season is talking about how early decisions from Rick Renteria and the lineup construction that we had is – you know, we pissed away ball games early on in this season that were winnable ball games because of, for whatever reason, whether it be lineup construction, whether it be not being able to get the job done with runners in scoring position, uh, wherever it is. But are the injuries that the White Sox have sustained so far this season the scapegoat that allows Ricky Renteria, for whatever reason, if the Sox don't make it, are the injuries to not only the starting rotation, but guys like Tim Anderson, Edwin Encarnacion right now, um, Eloy Jimenez saw some time away from the ballpark because of some outfield blunders, what have you. Are the injuries going to be the scapegoat that allows Ricky to continue to manage this team should they not make the playoffs? I don't think Ricky needs a scapegoat. we got to remember... Who owns this baseball team? The only time Jerry Reinsdorf fires coaches or managers is when they mouth off to a general manager. That's what got Tom Thibodeau fired. That's what got Ozzie fired. That's what got Ozzie fired. That's it. Not since Doug Collins has a coach or manager been replaced because he wasn't the right guy. That's just not what Jerry does. And as we all know, based off of some of the articles we've seen in the last week, apparently there are some liquidity issues with the Reinsdorf Family Trust. So I have a hard time believing that they are going to pay Ricky to go away and then pay someone else to fill in in this managerial spot. So I don't think there needs to be a scapegoat for, for Ricky Renteria to be back. Oof. I, I don't oof because I want Ricky gone. I oof because that's so White Sox. It really truly is so White Sox. <laughs> All right, so we will be back tomorrow with a Sunday fun day episode of Sox on Tap. Uh, it might come a little bit later than normal, as Steve mentioned before. White Sox moved to the Sunday night baseball spot. That's going to be a 6 o'clock start over on ESPN. Uh, let's hope that the White Sox can put up an effort to remind the sports network that lives and breathes the East Coast that the White Sox do exist. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in this one. 
Steve, I need a pick to click for tomorrow. Uh, pick to click. I'm just going to go total randomness, and I'm going to ride the hot hand. I'm going to go with Adam Engel. Ooh, Adam Engel. I, I like that one. Uh, batting average leader from White Sox starters today. Uh, you know, Yohan uh, Moncada, Jose Abreu, it's really hard to do this when uh, you don't know what you're going to get as a lineup. But I read those stats out earlier. They have been effective against Shane Bieber. I'm going to ride Jose Abreu tomorrow just because, well, I damn well know he's going to be in the lineup batting third for the White Sox. That's what I've got, Steve. Quick prediction before we wrap this one up. I hate to say it, but I think uh, Lucas Giolito pitches well, but I think he gives up a two-run homer to Francisco Lindor, and the Sox lose this game 2-1. to one. There it is. Uh, Steve calls that one. It's going to be a heartbreaker for the White Sox tomorrow. Um, I hope Lucas Giolito can pitch well. Otherwise, uh, I'll have to get in uh, my guy Jordan Lazowski's mentions because um, he loves that uh, whenever – uh, Lucas is not performing the way he should be. Um, so uh, hopefully I don't have to do that tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I hate to be the negative one on the show, but uh, I can see a 5-1 ball game uh, being won by the Cleveland Indians tomorrow. Hey, set the bar low, uh, and then uh, if you can go over it, you can celebrate just a little bit harder. Um, Jose Abreu with the home run, like in the eighth inning, I think he was my pick-to-click Uh home run in the eighth inning garbage time stuff uh, like we are, are used to seeing. Man, that's, that's uh, I wish I had better thoughts and, and better um, outcomes as my prediction, but that's just where I'm at right now. Um, figured out, White Sox. This just, it just has a very 2015 White Sox feel to it right now uh, with the offense and guys that have track records of success just simply not hitting again i don't know what it's going to take for that switch to flip all of a sudden and for this offense to start performing the way they're capable of but we need to see something quick here because it's been really tough to watch the last couple of days absolutely has with that said steve thanks for coming out watching the game with me uh in the garage and uh i wish it was a better outcome um maybe next time but uh, with that said, we're going to close it down like we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.